Good morning from the time of recording, and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. You guys know that. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Elphick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week, we are bringing you July 9th through 15th in 1998. I like 98. I was 10. A fine vintage. All right, let's dive in. July 9th, Dow Corning OK's $3.2 billion payout on breast implants. <laughs> Seeking to resolve a torturous and costly legal battle, Dow Corning Corp uh, reached a tentative agreement with negotiators for women with silicone breast implants Wednesday to pay $3.2 billion to settle claims by more than 170,000 women that the implants harmed their health. The settlement would compensate women based on the seriousness of the injury claim, uh, providing up to three hundred grand for those who have severely debilitating illness. Holy shit. Man, yeah, breast implants, those were a, th- a thing back then. I'm surprised, like, do people still get bris- breast implants? Oh, yeah, it's still a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think silicone is on the way out, though, and the new thing is, um, oh, my God, what is it? Carbon fiber. No, 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 the liquid. Uh, Let's see, saline? Damn it. Yeah. Saline? Okay. I mean, that still seems bad. Like, if one of those blows up, you've got, like, salt water running through you. Yeah, but everyone with contact lenses nearby gets a free cleaning. Yeah, I guess uh, ooh, that is one uh, That's one <laughs> lens cleaning I do not want to sign up for. Let's move on. All right, July 10th, city students test lower in reading. Uh, podcast creators test lower in speaking. Struggles. The percentage of students in New York City who passed an annual statewide reading test dipped this year, prompting officials of the City Board of Education to complain yesterday about the difficulty of this year's exam. The officials declined to reveal the actual scores on the test, but said that the percentage of students who passed appeared to have dropped less than five points from last year when 69.4% of the city's third grade students passed. The test, known as Degrees of Reading Power, tests minimum reading skills, and it is administered every spring to students in the third, sixth, and eighth grades. Reading and writing is good for your words. July 11th. Senate vote reaffirms ties with Taiwan. The Senate on Friday unanimously reaffirmed U.S. support for Taiwan in a vote designed to smooth feathers ruffled by President Clinton's public statements in China last month opposing the island's independence. By a 92-0 vote, Wow! the Senate agreed to a non-binding resolution noting the long, peaceful friendship with Taiwan and urging Clinton to seek Beijing's renunciation of the use of force against Taiwan. 92 to zip. Yeah, that is, uh, you don't see that very much. No. Also, a a non-binding resolution. So does that actually mean anything? Not really. It's just a, you know, a very strong recommendation. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to July 12th. France beats Brazil 3-0 in the World Cup final. Wow. FIFA. That's a thing. I feel like I, I don't know, I heard less about FIFA in the 90s than I did in the 2000s. Was it just my lack of connection to sports or, or what? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. That and like, it was only, it's only every four years, right? Yeah, so, that's true. But I, I remember the Olympics very well. Well, I think there's more fanfare for kids around the Olympics. It's something that we get more involved with. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's true. Yeah, schools and stuff. There, there's a lot of Olympic activities, uh, you know, arts and crafts. and. Well, I think the big part of it, the big part of it is that we don't give a shit about soccer or well, football. 
I think I think we do. Like I remember playing a ton of soccer as a kid um, in gym and stuff like that. But I think maybe from the perspective of a national sports team, it's that we suck at soccer or Bingo. football. Ooh, you know what else happened today? The kitty litter inventor honored the inventor of kitty litter. I, I like how I got this day. That's that's good. I couldn't have Fitting. found it better. Uh, the inventor of kitty litter is still the cat's meow, particularly in his hometown. <laughs> Proud residents gathered in Cassopolis, not Catsopolis, unfortunately, for a two-day festival dedicated to the memory of Ed Lowe, who is credited as the first to market uh, absorbent clay to fill cat litter boxes. Events included a cookout, a parade, exhibits of children's cat drawings, and the crowning of two cats as Mr. and Mrs. Cassop- Catsopolis. There, there, there it is. There's the pun. Yeah. Lowe, who died three years earlier at age 75, came up with the idea for kitty litter and tidy cat brand uh, litters about 50 years ago. Meow. This also sounds like a lame... I, I mean, I like cats and all, but this festival doesn't sound that good. It really doesn't. Uh, July 13th. Trying to interpret an error message. Conspiracy or bad choice of words? An internet service provider in Vancouver, British Columbia, says an error message in Microsoft's Internet Explorer 4.0 is advising his customers to take their business elsewhere. The message appears in a dialog box that pops up when something goes wrong. It says, quote, you might want to try selecting other internet provider from the list of internet service providers, end quote. The error message affects only certain Explorer users who have built web pages with Microsoft's Front Page Express. As a result, customers of MDI Internet Inc., are calling the company's customer service line for help. A Microsoft spokesman, Adam Son, uh, conceded that the message was confusing, but insisted it was an innocent mistake. It was never our intention to advise people to go and find another ISP, he said. The company plans to issue software to fix the problem on its website, and will change the message in future versions of Internet Explorer. God, I love this. This is so good. Hey, hey, stop using this ISP. It's garbage. You might want to try using something else. This ISP sucks. Ooh, you know what else is so good? On July 14th, The Boy Is Mine, the second studio album from American R&B recording artist Monica, was released today. Five commercial singles were released from the album. Lead single, The Boy Is Mine, a duet with singer Brandy, became the best-selling song of the year in the United States because it was really awesome. I think I I found a CD, um, a CD single for this, at a used uh, CD place when that was a thing ar- around 2005. Oh, was it The Beat Goes On? Uh, maybe. Uh, it was in Welland. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Okay. Uh, the Beat Goes On was a uh, short-lived used CD store in Niagara Falls. I remember. I think they were actually a chain, right? I they? think so, because I remember hearing ads for it, like, The Beat yeah. Goes On and On, or something like that. And I feel like a small chain in or a small store in Niagara Falls wouldn't be able to have any advertising budget whatsoever. You're probably correct. Uh, closing out the week on July 15th, a preseason football game in Vancouver, British Columbia between the San Francisco 49ers and Seattle Seahawks is CBS's first NFL broadcast since January 94. Uh, also on this date, more than a year after its acquisition by news corporations Fox Kids Worldwide Inc., the Family Channel is reinitiated as Fox Family Channel with the network now targeting a younger, family-oriented audience than that of its predecessor. Lame? I I remember not being able to get Fox Family, and that kind of ticked me off back in the day. Because I think they, while 
being aimed at younger kids. They still had shows like Power Rangers and stuff that I was still somewhat into in 1998. Uh, and it was cable only and I think American only. So true. I was I was salty about that. All right, let's dive into the box office. Uh, in the number one spot, if you were going to the movies during the week of July 10th to 12th, well, the weekend, in 1998, you were most likely seeing Lethal Weapon 4. I was most likely seeing number two, though, probably Armageddon. Yeah, uh, actually, no, I think we were most likely seeing number three, Small Soldiers. I don't know. I think, I'm not sure if I actually uh, saw that. I mean, Oh, really? Oh, I, I saw it. I did see it, but... I think that was a, I saw it on, you know, VHS home video. Uh, Armageddon, I definitely saw in theaters. Oh, I think it was the other way around for me. Really? I mean, I didn't want to close my eyes. I definitely didn't want to fall asleep. Wow. At number four, we have Dr. Doolittle and five is Mulan. Mulan. Oh, and six is Madeline. Look at all these decent movies. Yeah. Oh, number seven, we've got the X-Files movie. Uh, moving down this list at 10, one of my favorites, The Truman Show. I uh, I actually didn't see this movie until probably 2013 or 2014, even though it was something that I really wanted to see when it came out uh, six weeks prior to this. That is crazy. I think I've mentioned this before, but The Truman Show came out on my birthday in 1998. I think you did. That's a pretty okay. good one, though. Ooh, I want to I wanna mention number... Uh, I guess it's number 16, but it doesn't really have a number next to it. It's number still in the box office. Sure, let's close it out with this one. All right, uh, we already mentioned Armageddon, but uh, we forgot to mention it's a twin brother from another mother from another studio, Deep Impact, basically the same movie. I saw both of them in theaters. That's so good. I guess they both got my money. Actually, I did. I remember seeing both Ants and A Bug's Life in theaters, so. Yeah, so did I. Did you ever see Mulan? Uh, Yes. Back up to five. I I saw Mulan at the drive-in. Really? Yeah. uh, It's been a long time since I've sat down to really watch Mulan and I want to see it again for many reasons. I want to go through and watch most of Disney's back catalog again with the exception of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Agreed. And uh yeah, and you know, Szechuan sauce. Hey. All right. Uh let's dive into uh music sort of in a yeah, Canadian way. So, Chris has found <laughs> the RPM 100 hit tracks and where to find them, Canada's only national 100 hit tracks survey. Um, let's, let's start it off with number one, the almost Canadian band Goo Goo Dolls with their song Iris. They're out of Buffalo. Uh, so, you know, they're definitely not Canadian, but they played, uh, they played a Canada Day show with like Our Lady Peace like a a week ago. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, they're almost Canadian. Almost. At two, we have The Way by Fastball. Uh, ooh. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, not ringing any bells. Though. No, me either. Um, but at three is Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Have I said this before that this might actually be my favorite song? I think you have. It's a weird one to be your favorite, though. It is, but there's something about this song that I just really like. Uh, Natalie Imbruglia uh, and her really only song. This song's a cover. Did you know that? I did know that. Okay. Um, um, I don't know who did it originally. Uh, some band like it wasn't like a big band uh it was called edna swap oh and i think like it was a band that never really got successful but one of the members went on to be like a producer or something worked with natalie imbruglia tweaked the song a little bit and then we've got a number two hit number three hit get those royalty checks uh how do you feel about number four ray of light by madonna 
this is late 90s Madonna, so things are starting to pick up again. Uh, I I would say I would put it on the side of things that I like. Okay. Not much, but you know, if this it would get it would get a C minus maybe. Okay, let's pick out a couple more gems and and move on from this for the most part. Um, yeah. Okay, what else is on here? Gross at ten. I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, I wonder know, why. Right? Yeah, getting that Armageddon original soundtrack money. Uh, Stop by the Spice Girls is at number eleven. Um, Ooh, twelve is Poets by the Tragically Hip, making for yeah. your Canadian influence on this list. Yeah, there's there's a few uh, Canadian Ooh. things as we go down the list. Uh, One week by the Bare Naked Ladies is at number seventeen. That is what I was ooing about. Ah, and where are we at? Uh, let's. Whoa, Brand Van Three Thousand is uh, is Canadian. Well, I don't I don't think you have to be Canadian to get on this list. No, 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 but it says uh, next to it, 100% CanCon. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of nuts. Huh. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a sec. Is there anything else that we want to uh, mention on here? Yeah, at 25, closing it out, Ghetto Superstar. Ooh, that is what you are. Which features Old Dirty Bastard of the Wu-Tang oh, yeah. Clan. Huh, how about that? Okay, so that is it. Uh, that's all we're going to mention from the Canadian Top 100 Hits of this week. Um, but something uh, struck me as kind of curious going down this list. Do you see these uh, 100% CanCon and this little circular icon that says M-A-P-L with certain letters kind of uh, in black and certain ones kind of in white? Yeah, yeah, weird little symbols beside. So it's like like you're looking at the Billboard list, except some of these songs have these symbols next to them. Yeah, so um, we did a little bit of research into that. Uh, and this I got from, I assume, some government website. Uh, what makes a song Canadian? The CRTC defines a Canadian musical selection in its radio regulations. Within these regulations, four statements are used to qualify a song as being Canadian. Music, artist, performance, and lyrics. Or maple. So Canadian. Oh, yeah. To qualify as Canadian content, a musical selection uh, must fulfill uh, at least, generally, at least two of the following conditions. Music. The music is composed entirely by a Canadian artist. The music is, or the lyrics are, performed principally by a Canadian performance. The musical selection consists of a live performance that is recorded wholly in Canada or performed wholly in Canada and broadcast live in Canada. Lyrics, the lyrics are written entirely by a Canadian. So that's why certain things like, again, Poets by the Tragically Hip qualify as 100% Canadian, but something like uh, One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies just has sort of a check under the M, A, and the L. The performance, the recording, was probably done in a studio outside of Canada. Kind of neat. All right, let's move on. Uh, do you have any 90s news now? I don't think that I do. I feel like... Oh, wait, we missed something last week. Yeah, we did. Shit. Do we know what it was? It was a movie. It probably was. Crap. I'll remember gotta... it. I'll remember it like 10 minutes after we're done recording. You still haven't seen Power Rangers. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I need to watch it. It's, it's hey. getting ridiculous now. How about this? Movie comes out, we do like a, a live watch or something. Oh, I'd be into that. And we've said it on the podcast, so we've now inadvertently committed to it. All right, let's dive into our spotlight. And why don't you why don't you open with your opening, and then I'll dive into it. All right, yeah, because this is uh this really speaks to the heart of you, I think. Uh, this spotlight, it super does. All right, guys, it's summer, 
And many of you, like us, were growing up in some way or another during the 90s. Some of you are probably a little bit older than us and were working summer jobs, maybe even beginning real careers, getting out in the world. But for us, and probably for a lot of you, and even in some ways still today for us, summer uh, has been a time of fun and relaxation. And for us, summer in the 1990s, uh, especially so. We're probably going to use at least a couple of these next few 90 spotlights to talk about some of the ways we spent our summers, from camping to swimming, bonfires with less regulations, and sleepovers in vans, goddammit. Which one is not like the other? Which one doesn't belong? <laughs> sleepovers in vans. They were real, damn it. They weren't. Uh, anyway, summer was and is a great time to be outdoors and active, to have fun, you know, in the sun, as they say. Uh, so we couldn't think of a better way to start things off than this. GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. <laughs> so, What's better in summer than being inside playing video games, right? You can't be outside all the times. It's, it's hot. It's hot. It's sunny. Uh, GoldenEye 007 was based off of the much-beloved 95 James Bond movie, GoldenEye. I'm sure all of you knew that by now. But... Did you know that GoldenEye was the third best-selling Nintendo 64 game behind Mario 64 and Mario Kart 64? And as a brief aside, Star Fox fell to ninth on that list. And coming in at a surprising 11th is Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap was the 11th best-selling N64 game. That means there were 10 really good N64 games. Star Fox at 9 is actually what surprises me more. Yeah, I, th I thought that would be top 5. Yeah. So I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but now is the time to bring it up again. My first encounter with Goldeneye was so impactful on me that I can recall damn near every detail of it. So I was in a Zeller's, which is a now-defunct Canadian retail outlet, uh, Americans can compare it to Target, which is also a now-defunct Canadian retail outlet. Uh, I was It was in a standalone arcade-style machine set oh, to the yeah. frigate level. So the frigate is like you're, you're boarding a boat. So you start out in this little tiny boat and have to walk up this stairway to get onto the actual frigate. I had no idea what I was looking at. You have to understand, all we really had before this were side-scrollers. There were some cool games that came out for uh, systems like, like the Sega Saturn. I didn't have one of those. I, a friend of mine did. I only played it a few times, though. So going from that side-scroller traditional view for every game from you know, Contra to Sonic the Hedgehog... Mario. Yeah, Mario. Going to that first-person view was incredible, and the graphics were mind-blowing. Again, keep in mind that I'm comparing this to the Sega Genesis I owned at the time. GoldenEye paved the way for the first-person shooter games uh, that we had in the late 90s and everything beyond. It pioneered the multiplayer deathmatch, which oh, yeah. wasn't even supposed to be a feature of the game. So we did a little digging, and one of the game's programmers, Steve Ellis, uh, basically made the multiplayer format largely on his own. It wasn't even a part of the game by the spring of 97, which at that point, you know, it was already running a little bit behind. So a little bit, a lot of bit. And as Goldeneye came out in 95, yeah, it was a complete afterthought, but I would argue the most important part of the game. Rare didn't even know about it until they were shown almost the final version. Uh, and the game was running really late by that point. So they basically just had to nod and smile and roll with it. But I think that was kind of the lasting impact that Goldeneye had. The single player was great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, it is. But we played the multiplayer for years. Yeah, the single player game is is a campaign. You can finish it in probably a few hours 
And once you've unlocked everything, once you've completed all the difficulty modes, the game's pretty much largely over. Yeah, and like it had replay value. It was fun. It but, did. you know, with everything you unlocked, you could play the multiplayer version with up to four players across 11 levels and a whole bunch of formats that allowed for all the weapons or, you know, only certain gun types to slappers only, which was just you like karate chopping everybody um the man with the golden gun so all the weapons were available but one golden gun the golden gun did the one shot kill um license to kill which was just get hit with one bullet and you're dead um and there were there were a bunch of others too like a favorite of mine was proximity mines only so oh proximity mines facility that was that was my favorite. I, uh, anytime that I'd have them, I'd mine the uh, the shaft, above like the uh, one running above yeah. the bathroom. Yeah, mine that, and then just wait for someone to die and respawn up there, and then they can't escape. Uh, it was so good. Like, um, yeah. even like the the cheat codes that you could put in, like DK mode, where you could give everyone enormous heads, was super funny. Oh yeah, that was so good. Uh, there was a paintball mode. There was a paintball there? mode. Uh, there were also bullshit characters cool. like Jaws, who was super tall. Um, and what's his name? Oddjob, who was super short. So like you'd have to aim down to get him. Now, you know what would have made the game really good? Mm. If Oddjob could throw the hat. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, but I mean, there's only so much they could do um, in a game that was already several years late with multiplayer as a complete uh, afterthought. When I think of first-person shooters in the 90s, I put... Goldeneye 007 on the same level that I would put Halo for first person shooters of the 2000s. Like it was a quintessential game and I think oh, if yeah. you were to if you were to go back in time and you know maybe you're a rare executive and you decide, "Hey, we don't want this game to come out 2 years after the fucking movie. Let's axe it." I think first person shooters would not be the same today. Goldeneye set the standard. They may have come up one way or another, but I think it would have set the genre behind significantly. And this, yeah, this really was the pioneer for that. And it's amazing that this game even exists, I think. I I couldn't imagine being a movie studio executive or something and a game being this late. A movie tie-in game coming out over two years after the movie is absurd part of the reason that they went along with it is because it's it's james bond it's not like this is just some one-off movie it is yeah james bond is and has been a timeless series so i guess they can get away with it but i'm still even surprised they just didn't uh rebadge it as just james bond for the n64 that they still kept it well i guess they so much of the gameplay in the campaign mode falls in line with the story of goldeneye yep Great game, though. I don't think I have anything else to add about this. Do yeah, um, not really. I think we've covered all the points that we wanted to say. Um, my most oh. important. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got something? Uh, I was just going to say this This game introduced screen peeking for me. Oh, so, screen peeking. And that was critical. So when you're playing was, a multiplayer yeah. game, and the screen gets split into four. It is almost as important to look at everyone else's screen as it is to look at your own. Well, it's a valid strategy. Like, ah. Uh, where, where do you guys uh, where do you guys weigh in? I would love to hear what people think about screen peeking, because it's it's not the greatest thing to do, but oh, it's super it's, shitty. It, it's there, and I feel like you kind of need to. You definitely need to. Yeah, it's everyone is able to do it. The screens are right there, so why not? Unless you have some kind of way to you know attach cardboard to it and have each quadrant of the screen kind of 
in each player's face, screen peeking is going to exist. Yep. Okay. I think that's about that. Let's get into our sponsorship segment. Take it away. All right. Every week we have a sponsor in some way or another. Um, This week is no different in that it's another. Uh, Stuck in the 90s this week is brought to you by that misguided excitement that you felt knowing that a brand new Star Wars movie was right around the corner. It's 1998 in the summer. There's less than a year until The Phantom Menace hits theaters, and you were probably so excited. I know I was. Uh, We had the special editions rolling out, um, so people like me who hadn't really watched Star Wars prior to it were getting indoctrinated into this universe, and... I was excited. I was excited for that Naboo Starfighter. I was excited for probably Jar Jar Binks, and I was excited to learn the story of Anakin Skywalker. Oh, the Naboo Starfighter is so cool. Oh, yeah. Um, Speaking of N64 games that we were talking about, um, Star Wars Rogue Squadron with the Naboo Starfighter was the coolest. Yeah. Also, pod racing. Yeah. Now, this is pod racing. Um, unfortunately, you didn't know what was in store. Uh, maybe you were a kid like us, and you thought The Phantom Menace was actually pretty good at the time. Uh, but in retrospect, man, if you if you really knew what was going on, this was not the Star Wars of the 1970s and the 1980s. This was something new and something not too exciting uh, compared to what the original trilogy bought. And I think what's important here is yeah. that we enjoyed it at the time. We did, yeah. It uh, it brought us... It was a Star Wars for us. We were kids, and we liked it. And and yeah. So thank you, the misguided excitement uh, about a new Star Wars movie for, you know, living up to some of your expectations for people like us and disappointing many, many others. It'll bring a tear to your eye one way or another. As always, you can find us online at stuckinthe90spodcast.com. You can follow us on social media if you want. We don't use it anymore because it's summer, but I swear, I swear, I will upload some things this week. I'm going to do it. I'm making promises. We are on Twitter at SIT90s. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Facebook and Instagram are both Stuck in the 90s podcast. Um, Next week, we'll definitely be doing a week in the 90s. We are not prepared, as always. It's summer, man. We are taking it easy. Yeah. And, well, I mean, I'm working a lot. Me too. Um, The reason this episode, basically the reason this episode is coming out late is because I've been working uh, 3 to 11, so... Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, I did I'm, not make a Sunday record uh, too easy. I don't think anyone can even be mad. That is the single worst shift available. It's not great, but yeah. Anything else to add? No, I think that's about it. All right. We will see you guys next week in another year in the 90s and another week in the 90s. Uh, Until then, the the podcast podcast is is now now over. over.